The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. UnityOnlineRadio.org The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own addiction recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, We're In This Together. It has been said that nobody can do our inner work for us, but we cannot do it alone. We need the company of others on the recovery path in order to truly thrive. This can be challenging to many who are new to addiction recovery because we can be used to doing things our way. But if we're willing to become one of the bunch, we will discover the group to be a profound healing influence. Today, We want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding a path to connection through the power of unity, specifically recovery community. Yes, so we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from separation to connection through the power of community. So I asked myself, what what is, you talked about separation, what was separation like for me? And I I know we talk about this a lot because it's so common, it seems, at least in my personal experience, it's so common, it's such a strong factor for so many of us um, in addiction recovery. And for me, it mainly meant slash sometimes still means, although I'm getting much better about this, uh, that I have to basically solve every problem myself, mm-hmm. approach every challenge for myself or by myself. Because for whatever reason, uh, growing up at some point, apparently I decided it was safer and easier not to ask for help, not to let people know what's going on, but to mm-hmm. deal with a situation literally completely alone uh, was somehow preferable to getting other people involved in it. And I have hung on to that way of 
uh, seeing for a long time. Now, the upside, of course, is that I'm very good about about making decisions and getting things done and getting, you know, learning something and kicking out a piece of work or whatever. But um, that's not a balanced way of being. I I work now to um, apply my skills in in a group context or in a community, whether it be a church community or a recovery community and, and to realize I don't have to do everything. There are other people. We can all get it done somehow or other. Yeah, this is something that we absolutely have in common. And I think we were talking before the show. So I think this is a common thing in, um, in addiction recovery, a common trait that many of us have. And, you know, I've read that it's a trauma response, you know, basically somewhere along the line in our childhood, we learned that it was not, um, people couldn't be relied upon or, or people that were supposed to be there for us were not in some way not able to uh, support us in the way that we needed. And so we decided that people weren't reliable and it was better if we just depended on ourselves. So yeah, it makes for a really independent, uh, self-sufficient person. Like I think you and I both are, but it uh, has its limits as well. Um, certainly our culture rewards independence and individuality, right? So we, you know, we, we, we aren't strong in that area of community, um, so that just reinforces that tendency even more, but I definitely have that. Um, I think it's, it's partly that I just, uh, it's easier to do it myself because I can't rely on other people, but it's also because I didn't develop those skills of working with other people to solve problems to, you know, I'm an only child. I grew up with a single parent, so I was alone a lot. I basically did things myself, you know, and, and I didn't develop those skills of how to work with others on things. And um, so that just, you know, that just exacerbated that whole tendency to, uh, to want to do things myself to, I know how to do it best. I don't need anybody to help me. Um, I don't like relying on other people and I don't have the skills to work with others. So that, you know, so like we always say, this has evolved and has gotten better in a lot of ways, but some of these tendencies are still, they're just part of my makeup. You know, I have to really stretch myself in order to be, um, to be, to participate more in community. It's not that I don't like people because I totally love people, but it's, it's different than that. It's, it's not about participating in community. It's about allowing myself to rely on others and be interdependent with others. It can be a challenge for me. Yeah, well, me too. And, you know, you mentioned sort of our cultural norms. I feel like um, our culture does value independent efforts and independent achievements and accomplishments. You know, all our yep. heroes is, I mean, yeah, we like uh, basketball, but Michael Jordan, that one person is sort of at the top of the pinnacle of the triangle, mm-hmm. so to speak. And all this sort of uh, hero worship of yep. this billionaire and that billionaire and all that stuff, individual uh, accomplishments and efforts for whatever reason, that's just part of our culture in the U S. So I don't know if that's cause um, for the way that I am or just helps to mask it. Because if I'm sort of that way in a culture that values that, then it's kind of invisible. You know, Mm -hmm. people aren't going around saying, no, what's wrong here. You know, it's just, it's not unusual at all. 
yeah. for someone to be um, kind of fiercely independent or like you said not um not developing the skills of working in community and again it's not like i can't do it at all that's just not that that historically that's not been my go-to yeah way of getting yeah. things done now, nowadays much more so um in you know in church communities and in uh, recovery communities it's it's been a relief in a way to to mm -hmm. know i don't have to do all this there are others we can get it done once yeah. again yeah, uh, I, I I remember hearing the phrase, you know, a lot in recovery that we suffer from terminal uniqueness, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of a way of putting a humorous spin on it. But actually, this is a real thing where, um, you know, for me, it's like, and I know a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people share this in recovery. I'm different from all of you. I'm just different. It's that feeling that you know, that there's just, I'm just, I don't fit in. I, I can sort of, you know, participate from afar, but I'm never going to be part of that inner group, that inner circle. Like, um, I'm just, I'm different from all of you, you know, and okay, you guys are all doing it this way and I can do some of that, but I'm going to do it my way. Cause I'm different, you know? And, and it's not a pride thing. It's really, it's actually something that I think a lot of us suffer from because people share so much about not feeling a part of, you know, people say in meetings all the time. And I know I've said it many times myself, I didn't, I didn't feel a part of, or I don't feel a part of, even when I belong to something, I still don't feel totally a part of, you know, a little bit, but not entirely. Um, and so, I don't know, again, I think that goes back to childhoods where we just somehow learned to be um, self-sufficient, that that was the safer bet. Um, and so, you know, when we come into recovery, so many of us, like myself, are just dying to be part of something, you know, to belong to something, to to feel a part of a larger group, to feel that sense of interdependence, because as much as rugged individualism is the American way, I don't think it's the human way. I don't think it's natural. I think humans are meant to be interdependent with one another, to live in community. And so I think that um, I know for me, that's one of probably many factors that made me want to drink, you know? And also I had this, so, so drinking provided a sort of sense of belonging to me, you know, like I always talk about that beer commercial um, syndrome where you, I guess they don't have beer commercials anymore. I can't remember if they do or not, but you know, you see all these, it used to be that you would see all the people in the bar, you know, they're all sitting at the bar and they're just laughing and they're all friends with each other and they're having so much fun or they're all on a boat or something like that. I don't know, but they're all having a big time. And the, the alcohol is the thing that you see, right? They're all having fun because they're drinking Coors Light or they're all having fun because, you know what I'm saying? Because, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I was chasing that for a really long time. They're all young, beautiful, and rich. Well, there's also. that too. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I, I, I totally identify with that because I felt exactly the same way. I mean, I remember like very early in recovery, the first month, just saying to somebody, you know, I, I just don't, I just don't fit in here. 
I, you know, I, I'm glad I'm here, but I'm not like anybody else. And it wasn't, I'm better than it's, no, that I, I don't belong. It's a yep. negative kind of feeling. And it was, it was prominent for me early on. And fortunately that changed. And that is one of the uh, beautiful parts of being part of a recovery community is, you know, for better or for worse, like it or not, I was um, able to learn over time how to be, be a part of a group and still be an individual mm. at the same time. You know, we talk a, a lot about balance. A lot of this is about coming into balance. And in order to do that, I first have to recognize being out of balance. Yeah. Right. And so uh, when, when I do, and I did, the light bulb slowly has uh, come on, still coming on. Um, when I do then, yeah right yeah who knows I, I'm not making any claims as far as that goes um, I'm more able to make the decision to be sort of naturally come into balance I I, we, I absolutely already have the skills on taking care of everything myself I don't need to spend any more time developing that skill set it's there I can draw on it anytime it will always be there I yeah. need to build up the other part of it the being part of a group, letting things happen more slowly. Maybe uh, an idea other than mine is uh, a really helpful way to do it. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. And sometimes I do see things sort of before other people. And sometimes I think I do, but there's something that I'm missing. And I end up changing uh, my position on it. But uh, let let us uh, shift gears as we do and move out of the problem it's always important to acknowledge it and name it uh, but then we also want to move out of the problem and into the solution so what is the solution today well in unity we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and the spiritual principle that we have found helpful in moving out of that sense of separation and isolation and into an experience of real connection is what we are calling the power of unity or the power of community. But, and we ask every week, what does this look like if I'm new in recovery? Does it just mean I have to go to meetings? You know, is there more to it than that? What does it mean to say um, we're going to find our way using the power of unity or community? What do you think? Yeah. Uh, so to be part, so, okay, so we're having this theme, right, of talking about the rugged individualism of our American culture. And, uh, you know, it's so strong in so many of us, and of course can be mitigated by other cultures that people are part of. But um, to, to step beyond that and extend ourselves to be, so, so to be part of a community, you have to give up a little bit of your own individualism, right? Just like to be part of a marriage, you give up a little bit of your independence, right? To become part of something else. And so it's the same thing, you know, uh, to give up a little bit of that fierce independence and that I don't need anybody to help me um, to be part of a community. We have to begin to relinquish some of that and allow ourselves to need others, to be um, to be helped by others, to be supported by others. And that can be uncomfortable. You know, I know it certainly is for me. 
a lot more comfortable for me to just isolate and do things my own way. But I think it's a more healthy way to be as humans for us to be connected to others and to learn to be interdependent. And the upshot is that it can give us a real sense of belonging and it can begin to heal that uh, that sense, that terminal uniqueness, that sense that I'm so different from you. Um, you know, in, in recovery, we share a common thing, whatever the thing we're recovering from, we share that e- addictive experience. And um, that can be the thing that, you know, really bonds us to others. And, um, and, and I mean, not that we want to, <laughs> we don't want to feel belonging that because we're all messed up in this way or whatever, but there's that common experience and it does create a sense of belonging. And then as we heal and recover, then that becomes what we share. You know, we share not that we're addicts or alcoholics or whatever, but we share that we are, we are in, in recovery. And that is the thing that we have in common is that we are committed to this different path and this different way of living. And it's really important. And our lives literally depend on it. I was convinced of that very early on. It was clear to me um, that that death was at the end of the line had I um, not been willing to get off that particular path. Mm. You know, I'm reminded of a a saying. It's not not really a, a, um, a group saying. It's something that I've heard people say. We're all here because we're not all there. Have you heard that? <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that, but it sure makes sense. I love that. It's only the reason we're all here is because we're not all there. Well, yeah, we can't be there if we're here. And wait a second, we're not all there. We're a couple of cans short of a case, right? Yeah, Something exactly. like that. I don't know what. But the, the phrase I was reminded of, of the concept of group conscience, that was one thing that I really liked when I first encountered it in the um, community. Now that's also one of the things can be very frustrating because maybe the group is deciding, you know, what day to have the big spring cleanup or uh, how are we going to paint the walls or whatever. It could be anything. And somebody, many of us could just decide immediately and get it done. Right. But that's not, operating from the group conscience and so to operate from the group conscience every voice matters mm-hmm. right so it's no longer a, a, a the goal is not to get it done quickly mm-hmm. it's to get it done in a way that everyone can be involved like we're going to pull the group's way of thinking which is mm-hmm. a combination of course of a whole bunch of individuals way of thinking and it can be time consuming and it can be frustrating if people are talking about things and i'm like that has nothing to do with it why are we talking about this that's what we talked about that five minutes ago why are we talking about this again you know can't we move on all that kind of stuff can come up now it's all an opportunity to just take a deep breath and just encounter the person who's sharing instead of pushing back on whatever their story or narrative is and I don't know, it just, it works over time. And I think the concept and operating from group conscience is very powerful. So that's when I think about what does community mean to me, that's a big part of it is that in recovery communities, at least, I mean, I know it's true in others, but it's prominent in recovery communities. Groups make decisions as groups, healthy ones do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, the, the thing that question, what does community mean to me and what did it mean to me in early recovery? This, this way of living that we have chosen, this path that we've chosen is different than the way most people live, right? It's, it's a unique path. It's, uh, you know, the, the values and the, the, uh, the ways of doing things, the ways of operating that we all share, you know, turning things over to God, you know, admitting when we make a mistake, um, living in rigorous honesty, you know, all of these various things. um, They're not the way the majority of folks around us are living, are operating. And so community is so important because we need others who are committed to living in this same way to walk the path with. Um, Otherwise, it's like, it's like being one fish swimming against, you know, a gazillion other fish going in the other direction. That happens sometimes, you know, I'm here in Monterey at the aquarium and there's this, there's this circular exhibit. It's like the, you know, the, the uh, aquarium goes all around you. You're standing in the middle. And I think it's, it's either sardines or mackerel. They're all going in the same direction. You know, they're all swimming around and when, and then every now and then there's one that like what decides to go the other direction. It's pretty funny. You just see him like trying to swim against the other fish and eventually he gives up and just kind of releases and gets caught up in the flow and starts going the right direction again. That's kind of what it can be like sometimes trying to live in this way, not just 12-step recovery, but also living unity principles. You know, most folks around us are not operating in this way. And it can be hard to stay the course, to stay the path when so much of what's going on around us is trying to, you know, get us caught up in that current and, and wash us back down the, you know, going the, the other way. And so to me, it's so important to have connections and have this community that supports this way of living. It would be virtually impossible to do it on our own. You know, you can't, you can't just live totally differently than everyone else around you without support, without being around others who are doing it too. It would just be too easy to revert to the old way of being. Yeah. And it's that, it's that same concept that we had um, talked about in the description for today's show. Um, No one can do my inner work for me, but I can't do it by myself. Right. It's a paradox. I need the group and to be part of the group, but I also have to do the individual part. It's both. It's both and. It's not either or in any way. Uh, Another thing that community means to me is a shared experience. Yeah. Um, And especially that stood out for me early on in recovery, and there's even talk about it the uh, literature about how we're like shipwreck survivors Mm. we've been through something that when we encounter someone else who is on the same shipwreck there is a connection there i don't care how young or old someone is how long or uh, someone's been in a program or how new somebody might be language is no barrier i understand uh, about that there is some kind of connection about regarding this past experience and it's a very strong binder, I think, for all of us in, in recovery. It's something that we uh, that, that draws us together and keeps us together is knowing that we each have this, 
even as uh, rugged individuals as we are, um, it's the perfect uh, motivation, I guess. I don't know if that's quite the right word. It's the thing that makes the community work and gel. It's it's mm-hmm. sort of the thing that binds us together underneath it all, mm-hmm. I think, is that shared experience. And then, of course, underneath that is just the love that we have for one another, whether we know it or not. You know, there's a our closing statement in one of my early home groups was borrowed from Al-Anon. And it said, you know, you may not like all of us, but we love you in a, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. And so you can acknowledge, yeah, I don't like everyone, but I do love everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. It's definitely a unique experience, this being part of a recovery group. that's not like anything else in life. You know, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Especially because we're choosing to be there, right? You know, your family or other communities that you might, you know, types of communities you might belong to, it's not necessarily of your choosing, you know, but this is something that we choose. We choose to um, associate with these folks. Um, You know, I remember people talking about in early recovery, people talking about the family you choose versus the family you're born into and your recovery family becomes a family of sorts. Um. The other thing that community means to me is fellowship. And I realize fellowship is not a very uh, feminist term, but, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, I'm going to call it fellowship. Um, and fellowship is different. It's a specific word. It also applies to churches. You know, after church, we have fellowship time. And to me, what that means is that both in church and in recovery, we are people from all different walks of life, people from different, you know, backgrounds, different ages, different cultures, whatever, you know, um, but we have this common thing that we've come together for. And so uh, we spend time together uh, in regards to that thing you know in recovery it's about recovery and in church it's about the spiritual beliefs and spiritual principles that we share and so fellowshipping or you know hanging out spending time with those folks is different than any other type of hanging out or friendship that's why they call it fellowship i think because that fellows meaning there's this common thing that we share that um, cuts across all other, um, you know, all other divisions, things that might divide us, things that might, you know, otherwise we would not be hanging out together, but we are in fellowship because we share this, this powerful thing. And there, you know, there's nothing like that. And, you know, we're both ministers and we, uh, okay. And we talk a lot about, you know, church churches dying whatever but i think that this is the thing that churches and recovery have to offer is that yeah but we gotta we need to hold that thought because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation please stay with us are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. 
Thanks for joining us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we were discussing first that experience of separation, of feeling not a part of, of feeling terminally unique. And then we moved into talking about what community means to us. So now we're going to talk about how community has helped us move out of that sense of separation and not belonging into a real experience of connection. Well, I'm asking how did community that we've been talking about, how did that help me move from separation to connection? The one thing it did, and I didn't talk about this a lot, but it's definitely part of a big part of my experience is that being in the community helped me to learn how to share with other people what was going on with me. Because part of doing everything myself is I wasn't going to tell you what, how I felt, what was happening inside me. You know, I was not going to share my inner experience again it's just for whatever reason uh, i learned at some point it's not safe don't let people know what's happening uh, inside you it's better if you just deal with it yourself take care of it yourself and don't um, get others involved and so being in the community helped me learn how to share with others what's going on and that's literally as simple as showing up at a meeting and if there was an opportunity for me to share and i felt like it I could share whatever was flying around in my head in that moment. Mm -hmm. So just doing that over and over and over again, um, trying not to worry too much about how it came across, trying not to, you know, sound like I know what I'm doing or whatever, but just share flying around in my head uh, over time. It helped me a lot to move from feeling disconnected to feeling connected because that's what Mm -hmm. other people were doing also. So I was literally one of the bunch. Some things I said um, seemed, quote, better, and some things seemed not, you know, well, it doesn't matter, though. What mattered was I was willing to share, and I shared, honestly, whatever was happening with me. Yeah, I can remember, um, you know, the first time I was asked to, quote, unquote, chair a meeting, you know, to be the, the, um, the, uh, what am I trying to say, The, the speaker for the meeting to tell my story. And um, I always thought that my, again, that terminal uniqueness, I thought that my story was so different than everybody else's, you know, and, and I always, I had this thing in early recovery that I didn't feel like I qualified, you know, like I wasn't really that bad. You guys were all so much worse than me, you know, and then I would share my story. I mean, everybody has a different experience. And, you know, as far as like bottoms go, I'm what we call a high bottom. You know, I didn't have like a lot of real serious, you know, repercussions of my drinking. Although certainly in my personal life, I did have those, but I didn't lose a job. I didn't get arrested. I didn't get a DUI. I didn't, you know, none of those things happened to me. So I'm a high bottom, but 
I would share my story thinking that I was so terminally unique. And then these people would come up to me afterwards and tell me how much they related to what I said. And these people didn't look anything like me. They weren't from the same walk of life as me. They weren't the same age as me. And yet they were coming up and saying that they related to what I shared, you know, and that was bizarre. <clears throat> and that began to cut across that, um, that sense of separation. And then they would frankly tell me that I wasn't as high of a bottom as I thought I was, which I always found humorous. But that was that beginning of feeling like I belonged to something, you know, when I, when I would open up and share, like you said, you know, um, really share my life story, so to speak, share what had happened to me. Um, that began to break down those barriers a little bit and um, start to feel like maybe I had something in common with these folks after all. And maybe I did belong here, you know, now that that sense of like, I really want to belong, but I don't really belong is kind of something that's always stayed with me, you know, so, but it, it got a lot better you know, and I did have a lot of experiences of belonging, but that's just part, I think it's just kind of my personality a little bit to always feel a little bit, you know, on the outside. So I can still have that experience, but it's definitely gotten much better. Yeah. I I feel like I could just sort of echo all that you said. Um, My first sponsor after kind of hearing about my situation, because I, I, I am also high bottom, meaning I didn't lose my job, my marriage, my house, etc. Uh, I was getting, you know, if I had continued, those things would have begun to happen. And the way he put it was, he said, it sounds like you had your toes over the edge of the cliff. Yes. Like I did, because it was about to get very, very bad if I didn't stop when I did. So uh, also along the same lines of learning to share, you know, how being part of the community helped me move out of separation into connection. This took a while, but, you know, learning to share without an agenda. Mm -hmm. I kind of hinted at that that before without, you know, trying not to sit there and think, what am I going to say? Oh, someone just said what I was going to say. Now I have to think of another thing to say, you know, and just let it be literally whatever is going on with me and the the flip side of the coin for that is also i learned to listen to others without feeling the need to you know respond reply or to have what they're saying be okay in my worldview Mm. i realized you know what they're sharing has nothing to do with me and my worldview it doesn't matter if I think what they're saying makes sense, it doesn't matter if I think, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I, I've done that. It, it, I, I, can I just get myself out of it and just be open to what they're sharing and let that uh, be alone? You know, let that be all and let that be enough. Mm-hmm. So that's an ongoing thing that I uh, work on. But I really felt like that work was able to start when I first became part of the recovery community yeah I think we learn so much just by going to these meetings you know the cumulative effect over years of um going to these meetings where people are sharing what's going on in their life we we develop a lot of skills that we don't even realize we're developing right so what you were describing 
when you were talking about being able to hear what other people are sharing without having it need to be true for me, I would call that boundaries, right? So it's sort of a training ground for beginning to develop boundaries, um, that we can listen to other people's stories and let it be their story. And it doesn't have to be true for us too. Um, and then also, I think it's a real training ground for compassion. You know, we, we hear these, these very personal stories in meetings that you would never hear anywhere else. And you really get an insight into what's going on in people's inner worlds and in their, in their personal lives that you normally, you normally wouldn't know these things about people. Right. And so you really can start to develop compassion and be like, wow, everybody's got these things going on. I'm not the only one that has this whole thing going on. Like, you know, all these other people, they're sharing these similar things. And like I say, the thing that's so impacting to me is that they're people that don't look like me, aren't my age, aren't my, you know, are so different from me in so many ways. And yet they're sharing this thing that I'm relating to what they're saying. And so that begins to cut through that sense of isolation. It's like, I'm not the only one that has these feelings. You know, look at this person that, you know, Maybe they come in and they they look like they're so together, right? And I think, oh, wow, because, you know, I went to mostly women's meetings, especially in early recovery, and I would see a lot of women, and some of these women would come in, they just look, you know, they were older than me, they were just so much more pulled together than me, and then they would sit down and share, like, all this stuff that was going on in their lives. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> I started to get that people have a lot more going on underneath the surface than any of us knows about, you know, people that I thought had a perfect marriage and then they would share all this stuff that was going on people that I thought had perfect careers. And then they would share all these challenges they had. And so that really helped me just begin to understand human nature and begin to develop compassion for people that everybody has got their stuff going on. Everybody you know, nobody is what they appear on the surface. And so it's a real training ground for compassion. Yeah, I love what you said. I even jotted it down. Cut through that sense of isolation. That's a really, to me, a great description of what the experience was like of continuing to show up, being willing to be part of the community. And like we're just saying, be willing to share what's going on with me without an agenda and being able to listen and witness other people's experience without an agenda is a very powerful thing. And it really does cut through that sense of isolation. And along the way, as I learned to share and listen, I also learned to rely on others um, to show up at the group. You know, every time I went, other people went there too. Now, it might not be any particular individual. I don't know if that person's going to be there or not that night, but people are going to be there. And it was reliable that people were going to be there. So I began to realize, wow, I can actually rely on this and show up. And it kind of happened without me realizing it. I mm -hmm. took it for granted. And at some point I realized, wow, this is... Um, this this happens at this time it was 8 p.m meetings uh in our in our meeting place and there you know there's every every group has sort of the usual suspects so there's a bunch of the usual suspects and maybe some new people i didn't know as much or maybe some people that used to be around a lot and everyone else knew them but i didn't know them yet so i would kind of you know get to know them as well i also learned i could rely on other people to tell the truth 
mm-hmm. right? Because I heard them doing it. You know, yeah. 99% of the time, at least, what I heard shared at a meeting was absolutely the truth mm-hmm. about what's uh, going on. And so yeah. those were a couple kind of follow-on follow on experiences and learnings after I learned to share and to listen that I could rely on yeah. others in this way, rely on the group. Yeah, you talked about that, being able to rely on the fact that there would be people there, you know, and you could show up and the meeting would be happening. And and um, that was another experience that I had was that experience of, um, well, I'm going to call it service, but part, you know, it started with just this idea that I'm going to show up. That was my first service is I'm going to show up. I don't feel like going today, but I know all those people are going to be there and I was there last week and I better just show up that beginning of like feeling a responsibility to the group, you know, Nope, it's Thursday night, whatever I need to be there, you know, and then just continuing to be there every week for years and years. And that, that sense of, um, like I say, responsibility to the group that, you know, I need to participate. I need to show up. And then that moved into doing service, you know, making coffee, becoming the, you know, secretary of the meeting, um, you know, sharing my story when I was asked to, you know, all these various things that I started doing that really introduced me to service because I wasn't part of a church community at that point. Um, I don't have a big family. I have a very, very small family. So I didn't like, I missed out on that. Like, I just, I never learned this idea of like showing up and taking part of the burden, you know, doing some of the work. It wasn't an experience I had had, except maybe summer camp that I went to. We all had chores. That was like my only experience I had of that, of like being, you know what I mean? Being part of something like making my small contribution to make the whole thing go. I hadn't really had a lot of that experience. And, um, and what I found was that when I showed up and I made the coffee or I showed up and I put out the literature or whatever my job was, then I felt a part of, you know, then I began to experience that community because, you know, I was just telling you this earlier, I'm a selfish person by nature. I just am, you know, I'm used to showing up and taking, you know, and so, but this was requiring something else of me. I had to show up and I had to contribute something I had to do something to make this thing happen um and so that gave me some self-esteem it gave me a sense that I could be relied upon that I could show up every week and do this thing and it gave me a sense of belonging and that seems like a really good description right there for community community is something where we have a responsibility we play a part we have a role we show up and we make the whole thing go, you know, we make, we help make the whole thing go. So that was definitely my experience of community. One thing I learned was about spiritual community. So I've talked before about how, for whatever reason, I had found the unity church, you know, maybe five years before I got into recovery. And while I was, you know, not deeply involved in, in unity until after, I think, after I got into recovery, um, I was aware of it. So I had that kind of spiritual community going on. And I realized at some point 
that the recovery community was a different kind of spiritual community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone had said something that really stuck with me, um, you know, referencing sometimes folks might talk about the spiritual part of the community and what the person shared was that there is no spiritual part of yeah. this recovery community. It's 100% yeah. spiritual. And so I really liked that about it because I'd seen sort of one flavor. I'm like, oh, here's another flavor. I got a feel for the first one. I think that helped me to get a feel for the second one because it wasn't the very first time I was hearing some of these similar sounding concepts. And here on our podcast, we talk about the connections between unity way of seeing spirituality and 12-step way of seeing spirituality. And there's a ton of overlap Mm -hmm. in there. And so I really appreciated that and um, loved finding that it was a spiritual community. In fact, people would remark things like, um, you know, recovery community is my church. There's a Sunday morning uh, meeting at my home group at, at 11 and that was people's church and right. people said that this is my church it was a book study yeah big book study and i can totally understand that yeah you know i've heard people say the the woods is my church yeah good then you should walk in the woods and spend time there as much as possible because yeah. we can find this i i feel like i could now find it anywhere but when I got into all this, I, I don't think I quite knew what was what. Yeah. Pre, Pre-recovery, uh, the spiritual community was nice. Post-recovery, it became essential and a central part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. So my, uh, I found unity after I found recovery. In fact, the whole reason I ever went to a unity church was because my women's group met in the basement of what is now my church. And so I had been going every Friday night to this church, albeit in the basement. Well, it's not really a basement. It's our downstairs, but we used to call it the basement. Um, I I had gone there every week for, I don't know, a year or something. And then, um, just the fact that I had already stepped in the building was what gave me the courage to show up on a Sunday, you know, and a couple of the ladies from my group said, we've been going to this church on Sunday. Do you want to come? And I swear the only reason I was able to show up at church is because I'd already been in the building because it felt familiar to me, you know? And um, in unity, I found the spiritual community that I never knew I needed, you know? Um, And I feel like uh, the 12 step, group was a training ground for me to be part of a spiritual community because in the 12-step group was where I learned that I needed to show up and put my chair in its place and you know make coffee or be a part of it put my chair away at the end participate in this thing and not just show up and take but be a part of it and that trained me to be part of a spiritual community because then when I started getting involved in my church I already had that um that idea that I needed to be of service. And so right away I started, you know, ushering and, um, you know, we used to deliver the daily word into, um, you know, laundromats and hospitals. And I I was part of this team that delivered daily words in different places. And I'd never done anything like that in my life. You know, I had never done that kind of service, but I started to do it in my church. And um, that really contributed to that feeling of community, of being a part of something that, you know, I show up and do my little part, and then I feel like I belong here, 
because I wasn't just showing up and taking from it like I'd always done my whole life, just showing up and taking, taking, taking. I was actually giving something to this. And that really created that sense of belonging for me. Yeah, that helped us be a part of it because we literally are a part of it. We're doing what we're seeing other people do. And that reminds me of uh, another thing I learned that in community that helped me get out of separation and into connection is I learned how the group managed itself. You know, I, I sort of watched it over time. It became more clear. How, how does this function? Why is that person sitting at the desk running this meeting? Who, who is the, what does it mean to be the group chair? How long are you the group chair? And how did that happen? And what are these other roles? Like, how does this whole thing work? Who's the, you know, how is this managed? And we know there's no um, top-down power structure, right? But somebody's got to be the chair at any point in time. And then when you're done, you you sit in the back and you're another bum on the bus. You know, you're yeah. another... <laughs> You're just one of the group again. And I saw that happen. It's like, wait, but you're you're really like the person who was the group chair when I first got there was like really important to me. That's a really important person. Yeah. And then they were done being the group chair. They're just sitting in the back, just like anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're just part of this. Just like anybody. They just stepped up in service. They're not special. Like we're all unique. Right. But nobody's special. They're not special. Um, they're just like me. I could do that too if yes. I stick around long enough if I wanted to. Yeah. So, you know, seeing how roles rotated, learning mm-hmm. that group had a steering committee. You know, what's a steering committee? How does that work? How does that fit in um, along with the business meetings? And oh, it's important to show up at business meetings. Almost nobody does, but it's kind of important to do that you know, as we go. I thought steering committee had something to do with cattle. I, I didn't know what that <laughs> was. I was like, right. what is this steering yeah. committee? I, I didn't like know what that. people were talking about. <laughs> well, we've had a whole lot to say about this. So let's stay step way back as we like to do. We're basically doing a recap here, right? We don't, we're not trying to say something new as much as give the elevator version. You know, if somebody came up to us and said, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. What are the three things you would tell them first? So Michelle, in a nutshell, if someone came to you and said, I'm not really a joiner with air quotes, how am I going to find connection so I can recover? What might you share with them? Well, first thing is one of my favorite sayings, suit up and show up. Because suiting up and showing up is participating. It is being a joiner because you're one of the, butts in the chair that is you know creating that meeting and when you're not there that chair is not filled so just by showing up you already are joining and participating and then you know as uncomfortable as it may be start getting involved in service you know just even if you're not if you don't have an official position put your chair away you know, ask the chair if they need any help putting the literature back or whatever. Just do some small thing. And that really um, begins to break down that wall, you know. Um, so you're not you're not joining anything. We don't have a membership. There's no dues. You don't have to tell anybody. Just start practicing being a small part of the meetings that you go to. That would be my recommendation. Just being a small part, doing something 
to begin to belong to that group. It will pay back in dividends. Yeah, I, I would concur with that. You know, the first thing that comes to mind in answer to that question, how am I going to find connections so I can recover? It's almost the, the, it's like the go-to answer for me or step one, at least is you're going to do it one day at a time. Yep. You're not going to conquer this within a week or a month. You just do it one foot in front of the other, show up one meeting at a time, one day at a time, one share at a time, you know, one listening to others share one at a time. And just be willing to show up. That was your first thing. Suit up and show up. Just be willing to show up, whether I like it or not, whether I think I'm going to get anything or not, whether I feel like being there or not. My hair yep. looks terrible. Okay, put a hat on. You know, who cares? <laughs> just show up yep. um, and be willing to continue doing that. And then once doing that, stay open to possibilities because there are, my experience was there were things going on I had no idea about. Yeah. Yeah. There were possibilities I was clueless about that I only I only became aware of because I was willing to show up and to share and to listen. Yes. And then to learn by this is one of my favorite crafts. I know. Sayings. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> I Love remember. It. I remember the person who first said this. You you learn you put your butt in the chair every day and you learn this way of living by osmosis. Yep. Right. And you it's just really absorb true. it from sitting in the chair and listening and sharing when it's your part, making uh, coffee when it's your turn, putting the chairs back when it's your turn as you shared one day at a time. Yep. It seeps up through the chairs. Thank God. Well, our affirmation for you today is, as I listen to and share with others, I experience positive, supportive, loving connection. And once again, as I listen to and share with others, I experience positive, supporting, and loving connection. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful. We hope you found something in all of our clacking today. That's what we were doing. That'll be genuinely (laughs) helpful to you on your own path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you on your way. Listeners, as always, you can connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Drop us your thoughts and feedback, and we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And good Lord, don't drink like mine. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.